everybody to this edition of Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This is our 12th session of the Series 7. And my name's Sue McDonald. I'm the happy curator of the Maternity and Midwifery Hours and the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals. And it's my pleasure to be chairing this evening's session, which is slightly different to that which I talked about last week, because it, it was going to be kind of a sparkle, a sparkle session. And it I think it's going to have a bit of sparkle in it. I'm fairly sure it will have. Um, but because we haven't got Alice with us this evening because she's unwell. So good wishes to Alice and Yen. I hope you're better soon. And I'm sorry you're poorly at the moment because we were looking forward to your session. But it will be it will come in in series eight. And there is a series eight. So there we are. OK, and because we're joined, uh, we, we are joined this evening. Jan, Jan is going to be coming in a little in a few minutes she's a bit delayed but we have Radha Wilson Jeffries with us and as we do to all of our guests we always put them on the spot to ask them for a little moment of the week to share so Radha what is your moment of the week to share? Oh Sue well my moment of the week is that we got the first ever school report back for my five-year-old so he's been in reception this year and he's doing really, really well, he's hitting all his targets and his milestones, and we couldn't be prouder parents of him. So I feel a very, very proud mum this week, and I'm looking forward to having a lovely summer holiday, giving him some lovely treats for trying so hard this year. Oh, wonderful. I have to say, I thought there was a little lump in the throat there, rather. There was a little bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. That was lovely. And what, and what a lovely, I mean, five years to have a little school report. Fantastic. Thank you for that moment of the week. Well, I'm going to just go into our sort of normal little welcome just to remind everybody that the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, where it came from, and it was born at the beginning of the pandemic as a way of making sure we as midwives could connect, student midwives could connect, doulas, people who wanted to come into midwifery, parents. I know we have some parents who watch our programs and also some of our pediatrician obstetrician colleagues. So welcome to everybody that's come. Um, this is a way of connecting, of getting digestible, continuing professional development. Also very useful if you have to think about revalidation or if you've got projects to work on. There's a huge amount of information available through Matflix who support everything and, and look after the recording. So if you want to go and check out what's available, do make yourself, oh no, not make yourself, go and enjoy going through all the, the back catalogues. There's loads of material there. And we're supported also by our wonderful partners, all for maternity and the practicing midwife. So a big thank you to them as well, because they're behind the scenes and supporting a lot of the work that we do. So thank you to them now. Um, and just to reiterate, this is all this is free to share and free to access all of the material we do. You can pay a small subscription, get little box sets, but you can also just get things for free, which is great. And you can share it with all your colleagues. So if you watch tonight and you think this is really good, I want to share this with my head of midwifery or my team. You can do it because we love you to share things. Really enjoy it. So. That's it. That's the end of the, the little introduction. I want to just say a big thank you to, and I'd always, actually I do this every week, but I just want to carry on doing it. So thank you to our lovely midwives, our lovely student midwives, our maternity care support workers, 
actually all the workers in the NHS who are keeping things going, it's still really difficult because we know the rates of COVID have gone up. I have got my mask because I am continue to wear mine in crowded places, including traveling, because the rates are up and we need to look after ourselves. I'm going to look after myself as you should look after yourselves. And the, I just want to say a big thank you to the people who are looking after things because of the sickness rates, people having to cover a little bit more. And as always, people are doing it with I will, gladness in their hearts because they want to provide good care to the patients, to women and families and carry on with that. So big thank you to everybody. And I just want to say at that point, look after yourselves. I'm underlining it there. And this is actually part of the purpose of this evening. So I hope you're going to get lots of ideas and lots of tools to use to look after yourselves. Now, I'm just going, just going to do a quick news flash. Now, I've said about the COVID rates arising and where many hospitals are returning to using masks and using sanitizer. I don't see a problem with using any of that stuff. Small thing. You don't want COVID. If you haven't had it, don't get it. It's not nice. Okay, cost of living still going up, bills, you all know that, all the fuel costs are going up. So if you're able to put something in a, a food or a fuel bank, try and do so. If you need to use one yourself with, for you and your family, don't feel embarrassed about doing so because you need help, get it help. Also, also in the news, and I haven't read it yet, I'm very frustrated because I couldn't get into it properly, but... There's a new report out called Invisible, and it's from the Muslim Women's Network UK, uh, together with the all-party uh, parliamentary group on Muslim women's health, and it's called Invisible, Maternity Experiences of Muslim Women from Ra Racialized Minority Communities, and it's cha chaired by uh, Shaysta Gore here, and it's showing that things aren't so good and I'm go I, I'll give a little bit more feedback next week because I really haven't, I haven't had time to read it properly but women are experiencing less good care less communication and their experiences of postnatal care are even worse than white women Christian women whatever so I think we all need to get to read this and We'll try and do some edited highlights so you can get the gist of what's in there. But it's actually it's on available online and this is on your resources sheet so you can access it after the program. So that was that. And, and I'm just saying it's a difficult time for us all and we need to look out for each other. And this evening, we're looking at coping strategies for midwives. And that includes student midwives. It includes maternity care support workers, includes managers, and includes everybody within the maternity services family. And we're going to be looking at coaching. and We're going to look at mental health supports, including a new app that's coming along. So it's my pleasure. I'm, going, I'm racing on because I can't wait to hear what Radha is going to say to us this evening. Um, and I'm very delighted to introduce Radha Wilson-Jeffries, Radha, and, and she is, a, she's, a, well, she, a, I, the trouble is I've been talking to her about the Progress Theatre, and I know she's a member of the Progress Theatre, which many of you might have heard about. Many midwives uh, who use performance and theatre workshops to explore realistic uh, situations from the world of midwifery to help people learn 
without having to do little things like role play, they can watch people do things and what it feels like. Um, and Rada says it's midwives are often in a difficult position needing to provide excellent care while struggling themselves. And with the right tools, they can maintain their emotional health and tackle these challenges effectively. And Rada has been doing that just that as an internationally recognized midwifery coach and mentor. And her work with midwives and students ranges from anxiety re resolution, we all need that, through self-empowerment all the way up into inspiring transformational change management and positive leadership. So I'm so delighted she's with us this evening. So welcome, Radha. I'm going to say the screen is now yours. Thank you very much, Sue. Thank you. Thank you. So good evening, everybody. I am very, very excited to have been invited onto this evening's uh, hour. And I was trying to think about what I could what I could get into just 10 or 15 minutes to share with you and what would be the most relevant and helpful on this topic of coping strategies for the way we're all feeling and the couple of years that we've had with all the COVID pandemic and everything else. You know, and we all know, as you know, Sue was saying, it's been such a difficult time. You know, my experience, particularly um, as a registered midwife, I qualified back in 2014, and you know, coaching midwives and students from all over the world to actually improve their emotional health tells me that it is, in my experience, the midwives who are not even qualified yet or very newly qualified that are actually at the greatest risk from burnout and leaving. You know, we've had so many reports and statistics that's come out saying that, you know, um, so many midwives leaving those first five years of qualification uh, after often extended periods of sick leave, stress, daily anxiety. So the work that I do as an emotional health coach is not about Sort of saying that you've got to be free from mental health problems you've got to be physically fit emotional health is the it's the link between your mental health and your physical health and anybody can benefit from improving their emotional health because emotional health is about the connection between the way that you think and how you feel physically and how you respond so if you're thinking about anxiety and stress uh, particularly in midwifery, I was saying to Sue before we came before before we came live, is that there's already so much pressure, you know, to give evidence-based care, safe care, timely care. You know, we're told from the very first year of being a student midwife that you know, you know, you're responsible. You are a um, autonomous practitioner, and you're responsible for the care that you give, etc. So there's already enough stress and pressure, and that is almost like just a given that you're in high pressured emergencies and you know high turnover of people coming through the service and et cetera, et cetera. So what I find is in addition to this crippling stress and pressure that we're under like in normal times, add a COVID pandemic into that and being frontline workers and worrying about our own physical health with COVID and that of our family and friends during this time, but then add in, um, you know, an underlying physical condition or underlying mental health problems or, emotional health problems like stress, um, prolonged anxiety, depression, and other things like this, you can really see how it would be totally stacked against you to like, how can I survive? So the work that I do, and actually what, what I'm doing now moving forward is like a two, like a two pronged approach. 
So the analogy that I give, it's like to have a thriving garden, you need a healthy seed and you need healthy soil, right? So the soil needs to be rich and fertile with the right pH and the seed needs to be primed and, you know, ready to crack open and germinate and, and bloom into a beautiful flower. And never said they're all blooming together when you get a beautiful garden. So if you think about this in terms of, you know, our midwifery education, the maternity services that we're working in, we need to be healthy seeds. And we also need a system where the soil is rich and thriving. So what I do is I support midwives with their emotional health to be healthy seeds. And I also support maternity services, practice development, midwives, um, PMAs, RCM reps, maternity managers and leaders to actually improve the quality of their soil if so to speak uh, and it's something that I've been doing more and more actually in the last few months and um, you know we can't we can't blame the system so much as midwives are responsible for their own practice and for looking after themselves and actually when we realize you know I am responsible actually for for my own emotional health I am responsible for what I believe and and how I show up in the workplace and how I use my voice or don't or how I advocate for myself and the people I'm caring for or don't you know so we can't we can't just blame the system and say there's no staffing and you know everybody's leaving and morale is low and everyone's off sick yes these are con massive contributing factors to the the state of the system I'm gonna say but also on the flip side of that, we have to each be prepared to take a degree of personal responsibility and say, OK, there are so many things that are outside of my control. So I'm going to get my pen. I'm feeling inspired. So there are so many things that are outside of our control. But there are certain things within that that I have influence over as an individual. So on the outside circle of things, we've, we have no control and no influence over as an individual student midwife or as a uh, what I call a worker bee midwife someone who's, who's in the in the service and they're um, running clinics and they're a labor ward or they're in the um, antenatal clinics there are so many things like staffing like covid like who's going to be the new head of midwifery when this one retires or how many new qualified midwives are we going to be able to retain this year these are all things as individuals that are outside of our control okay but I can tell you the amount of time that these sorts of things keep us up at night and keep us panicking and keep us in that high state of anxiety. Like, what if I go into work tomorrow when there's no staff and I don't feel supported and that particular midwife might be on shift and, oh my gosh, I just had that running with her that one time and, and now I know she doesn't like me and what if I pull the buzzer and it's for a silly reason again and I don't have the confidence, my self-esteem's really low, I just don't I feel really struggle to put myself out there. So... There are so many things that are outside of our control, but actually if you think about moving the next layer in, things that we've got no control and influence over. Okay, so this is the key one for us. There are so many things we have not got control over, like birth, full stop, actually. The whole perinatal period and birth, as midwives, it may or may not come as a shock to us to understand that actually we don't have any control over this because this is physiology. This is someone else's body, you know, someone who we are caring for. And there is also another body inside that body, you know, growing or moving or not, sometimes as the case may be. So as midwives and obstetricians and anaesthetists and all the other members of the MDT that we work with, none of us have control over that birth and perinatal period, okay, for the person we're caring for. But we have varying degrees of influence 
over that person's experience, you know? So we also can think, well, maybe she was always going to end up in theatre. Maybe that person was always going to, you know, end up with a forceps or maybe the, it was always going to have that kind of outcome. I should have controlled the outcome. I should have made sure that all the variables were in place and that that was meaning that this person was going to have a good experience. No, actually, we need to be framing that and thinking, did I use my influence? Did I work within my sphere of practice? Did I use my intuition? Did I trust myself? Did I pull the bell when it needed to be pulled? Did I speak up and say no or speak up and ask why? And this is where this, this, where midwifery is this like art and this like intuitive science that all kind of blends together because we do use so much of our intuition and in this scientific kind of model. So for me, this influence is what I really focus on when I'm, when I'm working one-on-one -on -one with midwives and when I'm working with maternity services and teams is around influence and your personal influence is going to be different depending on what the situation is. But there's generally always something you can do about the situation you're in, even if it's just the way you're going to choose to think about that situation. Like remembering this is actually outside of my control spending so much time in this outside circle, worrying and brooding and ruminating and re overly reflecting and really kind of tearing and overanalyzing is gonna bring us so much unhappiness because there's actually nothing we can do about these external things. But what we can do is we can, we can influence and control the way we think about those things. And that's massive, massive. So this middle circle are the things that we've got full control and full influence over. And the things we've got full control and full influence over are what we believe, like about ourselves, our own core beliefs, our own like value systems, the way that we think. Are we thinking in positive, um, you know, uh, engaging and adopting a positive mindset? Are we engaged in negative, unhelpful styles of thinking, which might be leading to catastrophizing or second guessing, which is robbing us of so much of the work-life balance as me and Sue were talking about before as well you know on our days off are we overly worrying about going back into work again we're not even in work yet and already we almost convinced ourselves because of that anticipation of how bad it's going to be probably taking a relatively educated guess that it's going to be very very busy but actually worrying about how busy it is is that actually helpful when you're strategizing in your mind at like 3 a.m. and you're up worrying about lack of staffing and who's going to be on shift with you and whether you're going to know what to do if it's a breach and an emergency and you've not had a breach since you qualified or whatever. I'll ask you the question, do you actually feel any more in control when you are in that state of anticipatory anxiety? And for me, the answer was no trying to plan for the day that hadn't happened yet and all sort of assuming the worst case scenario never helped me actually feel any more prepared when that day came because as soon as I woke up I was like oh my gosh it's today and the anxiety just skyrocketed so students can apply this when they're doing their exams I know I've seen on Facebook a few of the students I'm connected they're doing their exams tomorrow we're overly you know revising and we're worrying and we're worrying and we're like visual visualizing in our mind was going in and all our you know all the words falling out of our head and what comes out of our mouth is not what we revised so when we're doing that we're like preparing for that high state of anxiety that adrenal response in relation to the exam so actually what we need to do is we actually need to harness that mind-body connection and what we need to do is we need to imagine the best case scenario it sounds really weird so simple it works if you imagine yourself in that exam or on that pending shift that you've got coming up or that band six uplift meeting or whatever it is, in advance of that day or that day coming, if you imagine the best case scenario, you imagine yourself in that interview just 
smashing it. You imagine you're living the exam, being so eloquent and so on it and just saying exactly what you need to say and the answer just flowing to you and you see yourself relaxed and calm and smiling and being received well it's like your adrenals you're like your, your the adrenal response doesn't happen because you're telling your body there's no threat I'm just going into this interview and I'm going to smash it I've got this exam it's going to go great I've got this shift maybe really busy but I know I'll be able to handle it I know I don't work alone I know there's a buzzer I can pull I know there's somebody that I can ask there's someone on the end of the phone so actually, one of the biggest tips that I can give you for people that are watching is this high state of anxiety is, is often created and this stress is because of this anticipation of the worst case scenario. But if you're actually honest, how often does that worst case scenario actually ever happen? How often do you go into the exam and completely lose your train of thought and leave scoring a zero, which is what's been keeping you awake for weeks worrying about? Rarely, rarely happens. So actually by imagining the best case scenario and visualizing what this busy shift or this stressful situation might go like in the best, if you could wave a magic wand, actually it will reduce your anxiety and anticipation and will actually set you more up to succeed than the endless worrying and overthinking in advance to try and remain in control of a situation that hasn't happened yet. I hope that makes sense. Um, so when we're thinking about like resilience and bounce back ability and, you know, resilience is such a buzzword in midwifery, actually what we should be aiming for is this ability to bounce back and bouncing back is not like an elastic band where it like twangs and twangs back straight away. Sometimes it takes time, but none of us are not resilient enough. We're not struggling with midwifery at the moment because we're not resilient enough. That is not what's going on. You know, even the best, most, resilient midwives are going to have like the downtime from that twang you know so you know resilience and bounce back ability is about the the ability to bounce back after adversity or after stress taking the downtime learning the lessons and coming back to kind of where you were before if not being more along for having reflected and learned the lessons of what it was like when you were burnt out and having that downtime. And that actually is resilience, that ability to say enough is enough and I need a little bit of time. I need some time. So another thing that I wanted to share with you um, is something around confidence. So we've said before that the stress is massive, there's so much pressure, and so many newly qualified midwives especially feel like they have to know it all, they're terrified of making a mistake, again, because the stakes are so high, they might be struggling with perfectionism, with fear of failure, with procrastination, and with people-pleasing, and these were all traits that I really identified with, but they were not personality traits, the perfectionism, the procrastination, the people-pleasing, um, they're not personality traits. They are, these are learned behaviors. These are learned behaviors and that you can overcome them through understanding more about your emotional health and the impact that the way you think has on the way that you feel and the things you believe about yourself. So the thing about confidence and self-esteem is that people think that the two terms are interchangeable and they often use them to kind of mean the same thing in that context, but actually confidence and self-esteem are different. Confidence is that almost like a mask that you wear you can fake confidence it's like the swan you know gliding on the water and the feet are going under the you know under the water ten, ten to the dozen like paddling away you can fake that you've got it all together and actually as a as a, as a first year student often aren't we assessed on our ability to like strike up a rapport and keep the person calm and look like we've got it all under control and you know so we're actually assessed on our ability to look like we know what we're doing, even if we don't really know, you know, just to put the person we're caring for at ease. And you can fake confidence. 
But self-esteem is internal. Self-esteem is linked to the value that you place on yourself as a person. It's linked to how much you celebrate your successes, how much you accept your weaknesses and commit to working on them or not. So actually, if your self-esteem is low, you can't fake that because it's linked to the way that you speak to yourself in your head, that inner voice, that inner critic, or the inner best friend, the inner champion that we ideally would like to be cultivating more to be more compassionate and caring towards ourselves rather than nagging and berating ourselves all the time. We're actually probably compared to other people. We're doing just as good as them, but it's that rose tinted glasses that you look at other people and think, oh, they're doing so much better than me. She's doing this and this. It's all down to perception. So something that I heard the other day, which I love, is when we're thinking about, you know, perfectionism and we're thinking about, you know, fear of failure and to, having to do our best all the time and shouldn't need to ask because I should, should know this massive pressure, is that actually 80% of the time, we just need to be good. 80% of the time, we just need to be good. So good means safe. Good means giving it a giving it a good try you know putting some good effort in there uh and ticking some boxes getting some stuff done you know so 80 percent of the time we just need to be good and then the other 20 percent of the time we'll call for better and best okay but so often don't even tell small children i've said it to my own son like you know just try your best just do your best no one can ask any more than doing your best but the best is this thing about pushing, pushing, I'm striving for the best all the time. You know, the women deserve the best, the people deserve the best in our care. Yes, they do. But actually, we need to be healthily lowering the bar and almost resetting the bar to say, we just need to be good. We need to be good enough. And obviously, what good enough looks like is going to vary from person to person. But actually, my personal challenge for myself, as well as the midwives that I support, is that we just need to be good enough. And actually good enough is healthy because good enough allows for errors. It allows for asking for help. It allows for making mistakes. And then when the better and the best is called for, we can rise to that occasion because our stress levels and our anxiety levels are not excessively like burned out from the pushing, pushing, pushing for the best all the time. So I really liked that. And I think in the in the, in the the midwives and the students that I've shared that with, it's kind of brought them quite a lot of relief. And they're like, gosh, so I can maintain my self-esteem actually really well by just being good 80% of the time I don't have to be the best all the time to feel like I'm actually good enough to be a midwife because I don't know if anyone who's listening to this or watching can relate but for me I struggled with massive imposter syndrome when I qualified as a midwife I was convinced it was only a matter of time before someone was going to tap me on the shoulder and was like oh hi is this a mistake like what are you doing in the blues you need to get out of here and I was literally convinced that you know that tap on the shoulder was going to find me because I'd put so much of my um, skills and accomplishments down to look, chance and fate, you know, being in the right place at the right time or, you know, not really actually internalizing the, <laughs> the blood, sweat and tears that it took me to qualify. And I did so much of the mentors that had trained me a disservice by thinking they were just going to sign me off, you know? So you are not an imposter. You have worked hard. You have that essence in you, what I call the midwife essence, that essence in you that, that, that calls you to midwifery. And maybe it's become a bit diluted or a lot diluted and you're losing sight of your passion and you're saturated and burnt out, but you have it. And if you've already had it, because you were given a place on the program in the first place, okay, or you did your, your nursing conversion to midwifery, 
you wouldn't have had a place if you didn't have it. And it's actually easier than you think to thrive. And the way that I see is that we need to support the midwives to do their bit, to take that responsibility, to embrace their emotional health. And we also need to support our maternity services and our education system as well to refertilize their soil. So we need healthy soils, healthy seeds. We're going to have a thriving garden and a thriving maternity system. Wonderful. Thank you, Rada. Now I'm loving the midwife essence or midwifery essence. I love that. And your analogy of the seed and the, and the, the soil is perfect I think because that really does kind of sum up what we need to be thinking about the environment as well as the actual people within the environment so that's fantastic thank you so much now I'm, I'm also now delighted we've been joined by Jan Smith and because she wasn't here right at the beginning um, but she's arrived rushy 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 we have to put her on the spot and ask her to share her moment of the week as we always do so, Jan, welcome, and thank you for making I know it was a bit of a rush for you today. It's, it's fine. Um, it's lovely to be here. Thank you, as always, for um, inviting me. And it's really lovely to hear. Um, I always enjoy hearing you speak, Rada. It's always really thought-provoking. Um, so, a moment of the week. I love Wednesdays. Because um, I know it's an odd day, isn't it? Um, because I get to pick the kids up from school and it's our day of just sort of doing whatever we want to do. It feels like the day I can be the yes mum, which is lovely because a lot of the time it's like, oh, in five minutes or maybe not able to do that. So I feel like it's a win-win day. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you very much for giving up some of your Wednesday to be with us this evening. That's fantastic. Pleasure. And now I have to introduce Jan in a proper formal way, but I'll be, I'll be brief because I don't want to miss any of her, her session. And um, Jan is known to, to many of you um, for her fantastic book, Mm. nurture oh, I haven't got it quite right nurturing maternity staff full of actually if you haven't read this I will really really recommend it. it's very I won't say it's easy to read because there's bits in it that are quite challenging and thought-provoking but there's also some fantastic ideas that you can use in practice just to help you and your colleagues so really fantastic but if I say that Dr Jan Smith it's i'm going to start with collaboration and innovation are a middle name so i would think mm. they've always been her dry, main driving principles and she's been involved with so much and i'm just bringing some highlighted bits helping homeless people in liverpool creating a service dedicated to birth trauma big part of jan's life right up to the present where the focus is on developing new methods of making the lives and clients of lives of of clients and colleagues but even better she's a clinical lead for the national make birth better campaign as well as an expert advisor on a number of national and government committees providing input into maternity so as well as the book the nurturing maternity staff jan is also in her spare time <laughs> written managing post-traumatic stress disorder for health and social care professionals help for the helpers which would be really useful um, fantastic resources. She's also the chief executive of Healthy You, which I've put the uh, link on that website on the resources sheet for everybody. 
and she does coaching leadership work and also consultation in in all of this area huge uh, research career spanning improving access and experiences for use of maternity services and birth as well as developing novel resources through animation film and media and she's also a research associate at Sheffield Hall at Hallam University and she's been involved in a new app which I'm hoping she's going to share with us this evening so welcome Jan thank the screen you. is yours Thank you. Um, and it is uh, the app that I am going to talk about with you all this evening. So if we go to the first slide. This is what we got very used to in COVID. I know. <laughs> the Chris Whitty moment. And I, I think... know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, maybe the next one. So I will start off with, um, so we have our app, which is called Mind Yourself. And Mind Yourself, um, we have a, a small core team of psychologists that uh, are just incredible and all bring very different stuff. So together we have uh, over 40 years of either leading, researching or working within the mental health field. Um, and so a lot of the app is um, a huge amount of love, experience and our expertise that have gone into creating it. Next slide, please. So we have a very big mission, very ambitious um, mission as well, where we want to um, prevent the progression of mental health challenges in 50 million health and social care workers. And maybe a little bit about how this came about. So when um, COVID hit, like lots of other people, um, I was really moved to do something to use my skills to help. And so set up free drop-in services um, sessions just on Zoom where any staff member could come um, for free and share how they felt. And I would offer ways for them to navigate, understandably, really harrowing circumstances. And from that, um, then they asked, oh, could you create some things that we could maybe print out and give to other staff, which I done. And then uh, I wanted to reach more people, so started to write um, the books and then wanted to reach more people. We started to launch national programs and started to really support um, thousands of um, staff to really help them understand and navigate. And I guess skill, I really love what Rada was saying there about, you know, these are, they're not personality types, they're skills that you learn. Um, and so really supporting people to learn those skills. And so two years ago, um, while having a conversation, I was like, let's create an app, which is so ironic, Sue, because I'm the least tech person ever on off is the extent of my ability. So hence why we've some amazing people who are really supporting us in this venture. Next slide, please. So what we have learned and what a lot of the evidence and research has shown is that 
you know, particularly across health and social care at the minute, there is a significant issue with retention. And we know that if someone has had two mental health related absences, that they're 60% more likely to leave their, their um, profession, which is, is massive. But also we know now the tipping point that staff now um, take more time off due to mental health related absences than they do um, because of COVID and the impact that that has not just financially, but also on service provision and the ripple effect that that has more systemically than on staff. And certainly within um, our practice, we're hearing more about the human cost um, it's, you know, it's one thing for sure, which is important to be able to quantify these things through number of days lost and, and the financial impact. Um, however, when staff aren't able to do the job that they love or they fall out of the job that they love and that tipping point of what is your usual amount of stress then reaches um, a point where you feel like you can't carry on either in your profession or um, you're starting to think and um, plan suicide. That is for us the massive driver in a part of what uh, is behind the app. Next slide, please. So we feel like um, the solution to this, part of the solution to this is um, the app. So this is the first app out there that prevents the progression of mental health symptoms in health and social care workers. And as I say, the last two years have been a massive learning curve for me in particular um, in this tech space. Um, because what we um, are asking is that organizations buy it for their staff and gift it to them. And actually some of the research that we've looked at um, and conducted is a massive, um, two massive barriers actually that interfere with staff reaching out for support is the stigma of mental health across health and social care and also the fear that it will impact on their career progression as well. So um, the, whenever then um, a staff member receives the app, we don't track it in any way. It's all completely anonymized. So we can't then go back to a trust and say, okay, Jan has been using the app. She's been using these areas in it. So the it being anonymized and us not collecting the data around that has is, is one of um, the, the benefits. Also, um, we have created a number of tools. So you can see here just there's it's an example of some of it. So um, things that directly will prevent the progression of things like anxiety um, managing low mood trauma, how to create positive mental attitudes um, sleep is managing sleep as well, which is, I guess, a more universal symptom whenever um, our, our mental health is being impacted. 
but also you know over the years uh, the one thing that um staff will share with me is when we when i said to them look let's look at how you can support yourselves how you can support colleagues they're like john can't even do the jobs on our list never mind like you know look after ourselves so um there are things in there um, which is on short on time. And so that's divided into things that you can do under five minutes, things that you can do under 10 minutes and things that you can do under 15 minutes, which are all evidence based tools that really, really can support you and continue. So, for example, if you are someone who are newly qualified or not, do you know that and you've maybe been involved when care hasn't gone as expected, you're going to have a response to that. It's expected you're going to have a response to that. And so the ideal scenario is that you go home, that your, your shift ends there and then, and you go home and support then will be put in place to support you following that event. However, in reality, what we know is some people maybe get an extended break and they have to carry on. Um, and so what you would do then is you would use the Mind Yourself app to go in and do some of those tools to just help you regulate and um, calm your nervous system, which understandably will be firing on all cylinders. And it will mean then that that will support you to hold and contain and regulate so that symptoms don't manifest and progress into something else. You will still have a reaction. It's perfectly expected that you will have a reaction. So these are ways that you can use to really help you. Also, we know that um, women and those from diverse ethnic communities and newly qualified across health and social care space are most impacted by mental health. Um, and so we have things in there specifically around supporting those groups of people. So things around how you navigate perimenopause, menopause, um, what's it like being newly qualified and entering that space, you know, with Rada saying it's that, it's anxiety provoking for sure. Do you know, you'll have imposter syndrome. 20 years later, you'll still have imposter syndrome. It's just, you'll know it a bit more and you'll be able to navigate it a bit differently. Do you know, so there's things in there that um, are specific for health and social care. If you've encountered workplace violence, so we know that unfortunately there are um, a professions like those working across A&E and paramedics and those working in ambulance services, um, including midwives in that space, who are more likely to experience workplace violence. And so... There are situations that coach you along those. So how do you navigate that? What's that like for you? Um, and those situations are specific for health and social care workers. Next slide, please. So um, 
the app is also personalized so what will happen is you will um be invited to um fill out a questionnaire which is just it takes i think three minutes to fill out and then you'll pre be presented with um this pie chart and so it'll break down each of those segments into what it says that you should it suggests that you do so for example you maybe have a portion of that is anxiety so it might then suggest okay these are the things that you might do to support yourself um, with anxiety if you've never if you're total novice to doing anything related to your mental health it guides you through it so there's a pre a sort of beginner um a more intermediate if you have some experience and then a more advanced if you're like yep i'm totally okay with all of this stuff um and so it builds up and it coaches you and it builds those skills to help you feel more resourced when you need it the most so what Mind Yourself is aiming to do is across four areas, which is to support retention, reduce those number of um, mental health related absences and clinical errors, and also improve service provision because staff are mentally healthy. Um, and, you know, um, and Sue and I, you, you and I have talked about it before, you know, that big massive gap there is, although we say reach out when you need support. And of course, that narrative is really important. There's also something about we all work in a team or we all work in a profession. If you're not in a team, do you know, and there is something about reaching in. So a large part of the app as well is how do you reach in? How do you ask those difficult conversations? If you've noticed that someone just isn't themselves or they're maybe a bit avoidant or they're maybe saying, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you, but don't turn up. Um, so things that might look typically like mental health and mental health is on a continuum the same way our physical health is on a continuum so this is about trying to support people and do that of reaching in so that we all can care and look after each other so also within the app is trying to build and develop that community of peer support for one another next slide please so we know that globally there are currently 234 million health and social care workers and there are 30 million of them based across um, uh, the UK and the US. So where we are um, really targeting is um, NHS trusts and um, social care organisations and also universities so that um, you know, I, I really, really love that analogy, rather that you shared around having the seed and having the right soil. And I really love that. I think I'm probably going to steal that at some point. You will be cited, of course, um, around just, you know, students are future leaders. If we don't invest in them and support them and really, really invest in giving them the skills that they need to navigate um, a career that they love and stay in it and love it while they're staying in it, then we're setting them up to fail. Um, and so our mission is really, really to drive across those three, three sectors to um, support people. Next slide, please. 
So we are, there's lots of mental health apps out there for sure. However, there isn't any app that is out there specifically for health and social care staff and um, that provide tools that you can use while you're on shift, while you're walking down the corridor and beyond. Um, and they're a combination of those evidence-based um, experiences and um, practices that we have across acceptance and commitment therapy, dialectic behavioral therapy and um, cognitive behavioral therapy. So we've really, really pulled them together. So it's a very practical resource that um, people can, can use and draw on when they need it the most. Next slide, please. That's us. We've got a website that where you can go and look at um, it some more and have a play around with it. Um, we're also doing some trials. So if you want to be part of a trial, please reach out and um, we can share that with you. Um, and we're really just on a mission to support and offer this as a resource for those who need it the most. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jan. That was really very exciting, actually. Mm. And I, I was just wondering how many trusts have, have kind of invested in it. And does it mean if you if you as a trust buy it, does that mean everybody in the in the trust can get access to the the app? So what we we launched it two weeks ago. Oh gosh, um, fresh off the post. It is totally fresh. <laughs> it is. Um, in fact, Rada, we met Rada at um, one of the um, at the festival, um, and we were very excited because we. I think it was the adrenaline come down from it. <laughs> um, so yes, what we are hoping for is that um, organ NHS trusts are able to buy it. And at the moment, we're trying to get NHS trusts to buy it um, so that they can gift it to their staff because we know that 80% of burnout is attributable to um, mm. workplace factors. And, you know, we talk about, and Rada touched on it, about resilience. Health and social care workers are resilient people. That's not the issue, do yes. you know? So it's yeah. this is trying to really really help that culture shift to help organizations invest in it for their people fabulous well i think anyone who's watching you need to go to your trust and you need to hassle them to get this <laughs> because it, i mean you could be part of a trial but it, it this is this is what we need at this time I think it's really fantastic. And thank you for sharing it. I'm, I'm understanding it very, very well now. I love this idea. And in spite of all the app, you know, all the techie, techie fun, fun with tech. Now, I've, I know that people are going to start asking questions. And I've got a few comments so far. I've got Claire Dale, who is um, a regular viewer, actually. Hi, Claire. And she says, I needed this advice today. As students, it can be exhausting trying to be as good as you think you need to be. Comparing yourself to others is common. It's too easy to think of all of the things you don't know and forget how far you've come. So, yes, absolutely, Claire. So well done for that. 
Thank you for that. And then we have a question from Juliet Samuel in Essex. Hi, Juliet. And she says, how do we rationalise and support midwives who feel disillusioned with the expected and reality gap of reduced staffing, feeling of not providing optimal care? Is that what good enough and safe care comes in? And I think that might be a question for Radha. And I think <laughs> just a small question, really. Oh. So thank you, Juliet. Thank you, Juliet. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this is the thing, isn't it? It's like you've got the rules and standards, I guess, of what is expected of you from the NMC, from the trust, from World Health Organization, if you be FI accredited, you've got all these different like layers of what you need to do and what is like what is expected, you know, to be to fulfill your role. And then you've got the competing priorities of the service users or the people that you're caring for, right? And what they think is a good midwife is going to be different to what the labor ward coordinator thinks is a good midwife or the head of midwifery or you know because a lot of the time we say women-centered care person-centered care we come into it for the relationships and we come into midwifery for the connection and the human element of the job no one comes into it with ctg or with paperwork let's be honest so the definition of a good midwife is obviously depending on who who you ask really but I think to be honest the, the definition of what a good midwife is should come from the individual midwife like what is how am I how am I good enough am I to, yes I need to take the boxes that the employer my employer needs and what the NMC need and I need to be doing what the woman needs but also what are my needs have I been to the toilet today have I had something to eat have I reached in so Jen I love that have I reached into myself have I reached into my peers and there is going to be this this as Juliet said, this gap between sort of what the what what is expected to be good or best, and also what is what is doable. Like we're all so depleted. Mm-hmm. I think it's not a bad thing to just, as I said earlier, healthily lower the bar a little bit and be like, today I'm just showing up. I'm here, got the uniform on. I'm not going to have bells and whistles on, but I'm here, and I'm got this smile on my face and somehow I'll do it and today this, take it or leave it this this is the best that I've got I'm going to be safe but I'm not going to have bells and whistles and actually I think that's actually a quite a healthy a healthy expectation to have the bar of I'm good today I'm not going to be best and thank you for saying the smile rather because as you were talking I was thinking well what women and families are looking for and it consistently comes in the research is someone to be kind yeah and to smile and that's you know that's sometimes even the, the trouble is when you're depleted it's kind of harder mm-hmm. but having said that I think we're actually quite good actors in some ways because even if we're we've got all sorts of things going on in our lives we do tend to focus on the woman and family mm-hmm. but I don't know if Jan you wanted to add to that for Juliet for that little easy question Juliet yeah I mean I think good enough looks different every each day do you know it isn't it isn't a linear because we're not linear um and so there is something about you know the kindness a bit like what Radha was saying with confidence is you don't have to feel kind to be kind it's behavior it's actions Mm -hmm. that you do but also I'm a massive believer in self-compassion 
you mightn't do your best every day. You don't have to do your best every day. There is something about if you've turned up, that might take everything that you have to get on shift. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're at. Okay. And you get the grand applause for coming coming in. <laughs> okay. So the, and the the um now I wanted to ask something of um the the stigma bit. Because I think that didn't come over so much in, in Rada's session, because I think she was spoken slightly differently. But with the, the app, do you think it will address the dreadful st- stigma that still exists of, of us feeling as though we need help, as though we have a mental health trauma or need? Do you think that the app is a better way of kind of dealing with it? I mean, I think... Certainly, it is more discreet mm-hmm. in the sense of just as, as, as you commented. So we're in a very tech world now. So there isn't it isn't unusual for us to be connected to our phones a lot with multiple apps on there. So I think in that way, from the, the words, from the imagery, from the colors, we have based all of that in a discreet way so that it doesn't cry out for people that perhaps are finding their feet or finding their own relationship with their mental health. Mm. And when I say their own relationship with their mental health, that could be, I feel great. That's your mental health. Do you know, I am feeling really on top of the world. I'm feeling really positive. That's still mental health. The same way that we talk about, you know, you're going out for a walk because it makes you feel good or it is part of your physical routine. It's it is trying for sure to reduce that stigma to see health as one. And midwives know, you know, in that birthing space, that is massive. Do you know it's not just the body, it's the mind as well, and it's not separate. That's grand. Now, Radha's nodding away. Did you want to add anything, Radha? I think I think from my personal experience, I think that what's given me the push to start kind of, you know, putting myself out there and doing things like this, you know, I, you know, in the beginning, I'm like, I'm just a midwife, just doing a job. And I've got this idea that midwives don't have to choose between their emotional health and their career. They can have both and they can flip and enjoy it. They should. There's so much joy. They don't have to choose. And for me, what gave me so much of that was actually sharing my own story, sharing my traumatic birth experience with my little boy sharing about my own perfectionism imposter syndrome all of that stuff but people go oh you know what oh me as well oh really did you struggle with that you you didn't have any confidence I was like no it was all a massive mask and they're like really tell me how you did it how did you do it and slowly it sort of like positively like erodes this facade that we've got to have it all together and that you know you're weak if you have a day off sick with stress or you know this thing about you know saying you can't progress in your career if you've got mental health or you know poor mental health so I think there is something about breaking barriers down by being brutally honest and vulnerable sometimes and being like yeah I struggle with this 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 is this is part of my journey of how I've overcome it because isn't there that wonderful thing that says and I'm going to get the quote wrong. I know I am right at the last minute. <laughs> Some, something around, 
you know, one day your the struggle of your journey will be someone else's survival guide. Yeah. And I love that. And that kind of is what keeps me going a lot of the days thinking, yeah, you know, there's 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 hope. We can we can show by our own example that we're not alone. I think what I love about both of you is the the, the idea of talking and sharing and and just being very honest with each other. I think mm. that's lovely. Now I've got we're, we're running a bit short of time now, but we have another comment. Oh no, hang on, Claire Dale. Hi, okay, Claire. Sometimes you can come off shift feeling deflated and depleted, but the people you meet and the people you work with give you the lift you need. It only takes one person to make your day. Do you know, Claire, that is the that's the loveliest phrase to come up with. Loveliest takes one person to make your day. Let's all remember that. It's grand. And then Juliet's come back as well. Thanks, Rada and Jan. I agree that it appears to almost like giving yourself a talking to the talking to. So that's fantastic. We've reached the end of our time. I can't believe that. I always say my um, sort of um, health warning for this hour is it always goes so quickly. And it's been such a treat to listen to, to these fantastic women sharing their work and sharing ideas and strategies for helping us all get through a very difficult time. So do have a look at the websites have a look, have a definitely have a look at Jan's book. This this has got these moments where you can spend a little bit of time thinking about what you're doing. So you don't have to spend half an hour, half a day having a, I don't know, a sauna and massage. You can actually just take a big breath. Yeah. I'll have to, we'll have to do this again anyway. But thank you so much for coming and sharing your work with us. The resources are available on the website and on Facebook on Friday. There'll be a podcast on Friday morning for those of you who like a pop podcast and you can re-listen to Radha and Jan talking again. Next week, Maternity Midwifery Hour, we've got just a little topic, power hierarchy and staff safety in maternity services, which is kind of linked, I think, mm. to this. We've had some themes that have gone through this series. And we've got Helen Elliott Mainwaring and Charlotte Phillips from Staffordshire coming along. Also, if you haven't yet, book for the Wales and Southwest Festival on the 13th of September after the summer. Um, and in the meantime, please do say, stay safe. Make sure you're drinking a lot of water as well in this hot weather. I didn't say the other bit of news was a, a heat wave, but it's been big news. And I did notice on Twitter there was a big discussion in nursing about being allowed, allowed to drink water if you're on duty. Crazy, crazy. And I thought of our deeper Santosh, who raised the issue of us drinking for midwives being able to drink water on duty. So keep hydrated, keep well. Stay safe and we'll see you next week. And thank you to our lovely speakers too. Bye.